Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. It is episode number 61. We're talking about number 61 in the NHL. We're talking about none other. Clear-cut choice here, number 61. If you're thinking about the National Hockey League, you are thinking of none other than Mr. Rick Nash. An absolute legend, if we're going to be honest. He wore number 61 with the Columbus Blue Jackets from 2002 to 2012, with the New York Rangers from 2012 to 2018, and the Boston Bruins at the tail end of 2018 where he finished out his career. Crazy to think, reading that, he's, he's, a, he's a Columbus Blue Jacket in my, obviously, heart, everyone's heart. He's remembered as a Columbus Blue Jacket, but he played for the Rangers from 2012 to 2018. That's a long time. Don't think a lot of people realize that. Really dominant at the beginning of his career. Um, not saying that he tailed off, but I just don't think he got as much recognition the tail end of his career, career stats of 805 points, 437 goals, 368 assists in 1,060 games. He's only 37 years old right now, and he played 1,060 games, and he hasn't played since 2018. That is pretty nasty. Nash scored at least 30 goals seven times for Columbus, including 41 in a 2003-2004 season when he shared the Rocket Richard Trophy with Ilya Kovalchuk and Jerome Ginla. Nash would go on to top that later in his career when he scored 42 goals for the Rangers in 2014 and 2015. A fun fact is Nash also wore number 61 for the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League. Legendary Ontario Hockey League franchise. He only played two years in the OHL. I'm guessing he was 16 in the 2000-2001 season. Put up 66 points in 58 games. 31 goals as a 16-year-old. The next season puts up 32 goals in 54 games. 72 points. Breaks into the NHL at 2002-2003. Now, he's like a guy that... You know, I'm, I was born in 1994. And I always... I always I've told this to people. I don't know if it's like a Canadian thing. When I ask, like... Usually a lot of my friends, I don't know if this is a hockey thing or a sport thing. When I ask someone like how old they are, like I'll, I'm assuming they're going to tell me like just their birth year. Like someone will be like, oh, I'm a 94, I'm a 95, I'm a 96. So it's always, I, I don't know how he got into that choice, but he's only, Rick Nash is only an 84. He's only 37 years old. He hasn't played since 2018. I didn't realize it was that long ago, but he was like, you know... 2002-2003, you know, I'm like 8 or 9 years old there. That's like when I, I always remember always being a fan of hockey, but like I remember like when you're actually like collecting cards, you cognitively remember the superstars. Like Rick Nash has just always been there. And for him to be out of, you know, the league now, it's really showing that there's a shifting in guard. There truly is. Like we've been saying it for a couple years now, like, Ovechkin, Crosby, those guys are old and gray. Still nasty, still tearing it up. But uh, there's a, this whole crop is, uh, is is definitely changing. I absolutely loved Rick Nash. He was gross. Remember that goal he scored? I think it was against Phoenix. He went like end-to-end. He did the same move like on 17 different people and ripped. He was gross. Wish he got a Stanley Cup. Love that he played for uh, Columbus for so long, but they sucked that entire time. Quickly, I'm going to look. He made the playoffs 
one time with Columbus in the 10 years. Like, that's tough. Four games, too, nonetheless. I think they got swept. That's tough. You know, he, put, he had some really good years with New York, but uh, he made the playoffs a couple times. I think they did go all the way that one time when, they, when he was there. Played 25 playoff games with the Rangers in 2014. I forget who won it that year, but they lost. He got close. Never got it. Two Olympic golds, though. You know, you can't feel sorry for a guy. 400 goals plus in the NHL. Not bad. Not bad. I guess, you know what? What do we say? We'll give it to him. <laughs> we'll let it slide. <laughs> Remember, if you're thinking about the best, number 61 in NHL history, you're thinking about Mr. Rick Nash. And um, again, kind of a hilarious number period here if we're talking about the NBA. Not a lot of players wearing numbers in this demographic of, of this region, if you will, of numbers, of numerals, of numberage. There are only two players to ever wear the jersey number 61. And Dave, I'm going to say it wrong, Dave Piontek was the best player, and both players only wore it for a season. He did not start out his career wearing number 61, as he wore number 5, 12, 25, and number 33 as well. Piontek averaged 2.7 points, 2 rebounds, 0.5 assists, and 38% shooting, and he was 62.5% from the free throw line. Now you know who wore number 61. Dave Piontek. One of two ever. You know what? Not many people. Someone says 61. Maybe you're going to remember that. Throw it at your hat. Boom. If you're talking about the MLB, number 61, the greatest that ever wore it, ever was, is Livian Hernandez. He was the World Series MVP for the 1997 champion Florida Marlins in his rookie season. It's pretty gross. He is from Villa Clara, Cuba. Not sure how did he have to did he have to sneak over here? I'm not sure how that worked at that time frame. How if he's the age, the demographic to do that? He's a two-time All Star. He won the 1997 World Series, like we said, he was the World Series MVP in his rookie season. He was also an NLCS MVP. He won a Silver Slugger Award. He won 178 games, lost 177 games. He had an ERA of 4.44. He pitched 3,189 innings, had 1,976 strikeouts with a career whip of 1.440. Not bad for the one and only Livian Hernandez. If we're talking about the NFL, folks, it's, a, it's, it's a throwback here. Back in the day before even the colored TV, folks, we're talking about Bill George. He was a linebacker for the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams from 1952 to 1966. Although he began his pro football career as a nose guard, Bill George is widely regarded as the first great middle linebacker on a 4-3 defense. He collected 18 career interceptions and 19 fumble recoveries and was named a first-team All-Pro eight straight times. Bill George, how the fuck are you doing? Folks, welcome. Episode number 61. Broadcasting from the North Carolinian studio. Up here on our rooftop, if you'll call it that. Up here in the stew, the STU, the stew, the studio. No episode last week. There was a road trip. I had a road trip. I was on the road. Um, I was working. I had a business trip. I had a couple conferences southbound. I had a couple hockey games. 
had five games. We went down to Pensacola, Florida, played three games in three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we were way down there, and we ended up staying a couple extra days in Pensacola, getting some of that Floridian sun, some of that very important vitamin D, vitamin diesel, some people refer to it. I don't, but that's what people call it. Got some of that. And then we uh, played two games in Huntsville, Alabama, about five hours up the road from Pensacola. Pensacola, if you look at a map, it's not, it's not down by Tampa Bay. It's not Miami. It's kind of like up there. Is it the panhandle they call? It's up there near like Alabama. It's only like two hours from Alabama, but it's on that Gulf. Is it the Gulf Coast water they believe they call? It? I don't know what it is. I probably said it wrong. I don't I'm not very good with my bodies of water. I don't have a map. I don't have a producer with me today that's gonna look it up for me. Okay. I'm a one man band, I'm a one man show, and that's all I've ever needed. It's probably all I'll ever have. So that's why there was no episode last week. I was brought my microphone, I had every intention to do it, but just things got carried away. We were on the road for 12 days, 11 nights, 5 games in 11 days, a little bit of vacation in between. It was, a, it was an awesome trip, but uh, it's tough. When you're on the road for that long, you're taking the bus, you don't want to bring a lot, but you need to bring a lot. I definitely didn't bring enough. I packed like a, a good life gym bag. Like a little under the arm gym bag and I brought my backpack and I brought like I by the end of the trip I was just I think I wore the exact same thing for the last four days I just didn't even care socks boxers pants shirt I didn't even care at the end it's just because the trip was that long it felt like I was gone for three years you know thankfully and the, the travel is pretty good in the southern league we don't this was our longest road trip by far but you know there's leagues like the East Coast League. I'm sure the American League's not that bad, but there's there's leagues where the guys gotta do that every month. It's craziness. On the road. I wanna know how many pairs of boxers do does the typical professional hockey player own. At what point is enough? Cause usually, I don't know, I think traditionally you'd think, you know, if you have seven pairs of good boxers, you should be fucking flying, no? Seven, like you should be doing laundry once a week. It's it's like maybe you're not wearing the same clothes every single week, but there's some staples in your rotation that are going to get thrown on the bot. They're going to get kneaded out of the closet. They're not just coming out on Saturday night when you're looking good, when you're feeling right. Do you know what I'm saying? What's going on? It's been a crazy... uh, a lot of craziness going on, to be honest. There's a lot of craziness going on. I, and I want to start off with, the, with I have to bring it up the first of all. I, just, I, I was at a Denny's late night in Florida. We were out drinking. We had a good time. We had an awesome time. I went to Denny's late night. Must have been like almost midnight. Call it my traditional, get a Grand Slam at Denny's. You know, you got to get breakfast. But for some reason, we got the nachos to start, which was a terrible choice. They were, you always want nachos. And you, you know, at that time of the night when you've been drinking, you're feeling good. You feel like you're a little bit invincible, right? You kind of get cocky, eyes a bit bigger than the stomach. Maybe you make some decisions that you shouldn't have made. Kind of like the decisions that you think that you should get the nachos from Denny's at midnight before you get bacon and eggs. So I did that. And obviously, my stomach did not feel too good after it. And I ended up 
puking about set. I walked out the door and I walked straight into the bushes and some of my buddies were still eating at our table and I walked directly in front of where their table lied and I must have projectile vomited eight, eight times, eight or nine times of like, like this is like hearty, hearty vomit, like food. Like I, every cent that I spent at Denny's before, I think my bill was like $22. There was $23 and change in that garden. I felt bad the next morning. I was like, should I go back with a garden hose, like a pail of water, wash it away? I wouldn't want to look in that thing. It's horrific. Naturally, I got right out of there. I booked it home, slept soundly after. I don't want to think about that anymore any longer. But I was thinking back, was it the food that I ate? Or was it when I first saw the Will Smith slap on Chris Rock, I saw it in that Denny's. I was I was on Twitter scrolling, waiting for my meal, having a Diet Coke, a Diet Soda, if you will. Don't call it a pop in the States because people look at it like you have 10 heads. It's called a pop. You don't call it a soda. Don't call it a soda. I can't take anyone seriously that says, you want a soda? What? Do I want a soda water? No, I want a pop. I want a Coke. I want a Coca-Cola. But that's where I first saw the Will Smith slap. And I truly just didn't, I just didn't get, like, what happened. Obviously, I didn't watch the Oscars. No one does, first of all. No one watches this. The Oscars, to begin with, is completely outdated. And, like, you don't need me to tell you this. But that was, like, the Oscars, to me, it just makes me laugh. It's, like, I could see why... How however long ago the Oscars came out? Yeah, it probably would have been like sweet once a year. You know, people want to hear about what were the best movies and stuff like that. You know, you didn't have a lot of news sources for the cinemas, for the cinematography. And movies were a big deal back then. There wasn't so much. You didn't have a phone in your hand. You didn't have TikTok in your hand 24-7. People were buzzing for the movies back then. That was once a year. People probably gave a fuck. Now there's the there's too many award shows. I don't even know. Half the people wouldn't even know if the Oscars is for fucking movies or music. If you asked half the people, they wouldn't even have a clue. And then to think that this thing still goes on nowadays and things happen. Like that Will Smith needed to slap someone or else no one would have even known that this the Oscars happened. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had a fucking clue that the Oscars happened. This is the only reason I even had a clue. So good for them, I guess. But at the end of the day, Will Smith is an absolute clown. Like, and anyone defending him, like, it's an absolute joke. A comedian, Chris Rock, told a joke. A comedian a comedian got hired to host the Oscars. He's not there because he's not funny. He's one of the best all time. He said a joke. And is it, was it offensive? Maybe, yeah, it might have been. And yeah, that can be like up for discretion. But to go up, walk up and slap a guy, like I just, it just made, I don't know, made me just think that this guy thinks he's better than everyone. And anyone defending him, I'm like, it's a comedian telling a joke. I just can't, be, I just don't know what else to say other than that. It's just absolutely foolish to me. It's fucking hilarious. Like, I love Will Smith. Love all of his movies, but like, come on. The moment I saw that, I just like, it put a bad taste in my mouth. Like, that's very odd. And 
I don't know, for a guy that's made his life so public in the last couple of years, like for that to be like the fucking tipping point where he starts losing it. And not only did he slap him, and then he's like yelling, he's like screaming from the fucking crowd. It's almost like he wanted to be a meme. He wanted multiple, he's, he, he didn't just have multiple memes come out of this incident. There's going to be like five different memes. And I hate even talking about that, but like this is, he's going to be etched in time. This will be a recurring meme you'll never, people, like, our kids might even know about this one. This is a big deal. And what even was a, more of a shock to me, it was like, first of all, that he was able to just get an award after, and that people were actually just like standing up and cheering. And the thing that I actually realized that this was actually wild, I thought this was just going to get brushed under the rug, but I can't believe the amount of like, people that are actually like openly like displeased with this. A lot of them obviously comedians. Because I just feel like, in large, like, being a comedian, like, is tough right now. Because the truth doesn't even matter. Like, it's just, like, people can be offended for anything because, like, the truth, you don't even have to really know anything anymore. Like, and it's the, I'm I'm on a real big tangent right now, but it's it's the internet's fault, for sure. Because you can just like any, you can just live in this false reality of anything you believe could be real. Realistically, you can look anything up and it will be real. Someone somewhere will say that it's real. So like, because truth doesn't even matter, it's so hard to be funny now, because you have these fucking assholes. Like I feel like twenty years ago, before the internet, people had the ability just to fucking. I don't even know if you say look into everything, go against everything. I don't know if that's the issue, but like, I feel like people probably didn't attack or people, a a joke would have been said and it just would have been brushed off the cuff. Like now if like a joke is said and you don't understand it or you think it's like, you think it's wrong, you have to speak up against it. Even if it's like not even like offensive towards you. I just don't even understand it. It's comedians telling jokes. It's a joke. Fuck off Will Smith. Tough look, man. He just ruined his career. He ruined his career. And, um, he's, and like, well, the best part was, I feel like, if you see this clip, like, could you imagine what Chris Rock could have said? Like, he's a genius, man. Like, talk about the worst guy to slap. He could have ruined the Oscars. He could have ruined, and he took the high road. He saved the entire show. He saved the entire show because there's a little clip of it, or if you watch it really quick, he, he says something like, he like mumbles, it's like, he says like, oh, I could, no, it's like he says like, oh, I could like absolutely ruin your life right now with 17,000 jokes, like he could have been like, that one hurt till August, or something like that, he had, I thought it was hilarious what he said, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me, it's fucking comical, I don't know what, what like, I don't know what, what do you think? I'm sure it'll all be forgotten about, but like, wow, tough look for Will. One of the craziest things I've ever seen in like pop culture world, red carpet world, award show world, that's for sure. The only thing better than that was when Ricky Gervais, I think it was the Golden Globes, when Ricky Gervais was the host of the Golden Globes, sorry, can't speak. That was absolutely amazing. If you have never seen it, go on YouTube. Do yourself an absolute favor and check that out. I was thinking about this the other day because um, obviously I'm down in the States a lot right now where as, as, as because that is where I live. But you go 
on to a bar. You sit down for an afternoon meal anywhere. It's Applebee's, Olive Garden, any place, random, standard American restaurant. Has a TV going midday or even prime time. Any time of the day, multiple TVs going, there will be some form of regional sports coverage covering women's college soccer, athletics of all collegiate levels, it seems, not just Division One all the time. It just seems like they have great regional coverage. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but this is what it definitely seems like to me. There's so much coverage of all the sports that are available. Even like you can find high school sports on TV in regionally in parts of America and stuff like that. And then you go to Canada and if it's like not prime time, if it's not prime time, it'll be like the auto channel. It'll be like auto trader will be like rent. They'll be like uh, rating the new uh, 2021 Kia Sorento, the hatchback. Be like a bald fuck with a goatee talking for half an hour as he opens up the hatchback with the with the key fob. Shows you the clearance when you're putting your groceries away and like how it has like a little light under there. If you drop your keys, bump your head. Like that's what's going on in the afternoon. Like why why is like the Canadian media and like I'm blaming the Canadian not even just the sports channels, but just like Canadian media in general, like like I, I'm watching. I'm at the bar the other night, and there's a fucking female skills contest going on for basketball. The three point contest. They had like the dunk contest. They had all the skills contest. The whole bar I'm at was going absolutely fucking insane. Everyone fucking loved it. Why can't the Canadian media do like? Why don't they do something like that with uh, U Sports? Like why don't they celebrate them a little bit? Give them a little credit. Stop putting Auto Trader on in the middle of the day and maybe throw on like a, a game that was from the weekend. It doesn't have, yeah, maybe it's a Tuesday and it's a rerun and you can cut through the whistles and just show like it in 60 minutes or something or just throw the whole game for crying out loud. I don't think that's too hard to ask for. Showcase some of these broadcasters, see what the color commentators are doing, see the stories they're talking about in the hometowns, the places they have their colleges. Wouldn't that be fucking cool? It'd be pretty fucking cool, wouldn't it not? Why don't, why don't they... I just don't get it. Even like, from 2 to 3 a.m., throw that shit on. Like, just get get it on some point during the day, like the shitty hours when the kids are sick and they're home from school. They need to have something to watch. Like, grow the sport. Grow the sport a bit. No? I just don't get it. Ever since the score left Canada, there's just, there's no talk about that. And, like, in Canada, there's, like, Canadian content rules on the radio. you got to have so many Canadian radio stations and shit like that. Why shouldn't it be like that for sports channels? There should be so much Canadian sport, regional sport coverage. Your local new, your no, local news station shouldn't just be telling stories of Ukraine. Get some fucking local coverage of some sports. Talk about the community a bit you're in. I, I feel like in... In the States, they probably don't have these regulations because everyone's already just talking about what's going on in their little their little communities. Also, the States and Canada. Like, what's the, what's the biggest difference between the States and Canada? Well, one is there's 
jillions more people in the States. It's I just can't get over how many people live in the States. Every time I get on a bus, we go on these bus trips, we're around, we're getting into these towns. I'm like, how are these this many just massive towns everywhere you go? Everywhere you go, there's just a huge city everywhere you go. You go on the roads, they're always busy. The highways are always busy. There's people going at all times. Like you go to Canada, like there's not, it's not like that. Bigger landmass, way less people. Like you drive, if you're trying to st- stay in Canada and you drive out of, uh, you leave Toronto, you start driving north, you go through Sudbury. Like after Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie, like there's not a big city for 15 hours till you get to Winnipeg. There's nothing there. There's towns, of course. There's places you'll go through. Timmins, Ontario. I mean, Timmins, sorry. Thunder Bay. I don't know how many people live in Thunder Bay. Maybe 200,000. There's not a lot of people. It's kind of fucking crazy. Like, I think about that all the time. It's just like the difference is really just like how densely populated the states is. It really is. And I feel like, I don't know. Obviously, that changes people. There's The thing I love about the States, though, is everywhere you go, it has so much so much culture. It's like to the region they're in. Like, it's so different. Like, you know, you go to Florida, it's Florida. Well, fucking Florida is a bad example because that place is absolutely insane. But, you know, Alabama, very southern, you know, Louisiana, it's got its own southern flair there, you know. Texas has got its own thing. They all got their own little thing going on. Canada, yes do very, very different regions, but the people don't move around a lot in Canada. Very different regions, but, you know, Canadians across the board, not very similar. You know, you could break it down, but there are not as many different cultures, obviously, as there are in the States because there's not as many fucking people. It's crazy just how densely populated the States are, is, sorry. And every time I'm down here, it's just like, it absolutely blows my fucking mind. Blows my mind. Um, I don't like to talk about a lot of hockey on this show. I don't like to do it because I don't think that that's not the aim of this show. It is not a hockey program. But obviously, you know, sometimes hockey talk has to be had. And one of the things I had to talk about was something that was kind of blown up on hockey Twitter and Twitter in general. And I, I know I do have a lot of American listeners on here and I don't know if a lot of you do follow the NHL closely and whatnot, but something happened uh, that really pissed me off, and that was uh, Keith Yandel was um, he had the Ironman record. I don't know the exact number of games. Probably should have Googled it up, but he was something like 11 games away from playing 1,000 consecutive games in the NHL, and that's fucking crazy. Like, I know what Cal Ripken did in baseball is insane. And there's guys that have, you know, obviously it showed longevity. But a sport like hockey, to play a 1,000 games at that level, um, it's, it's crazy. And he's having a bad year. He's on a bad team that's not going to make the playoffs. He, um, I think he's something bad, like dash 39, maybe even dash 40. Didn't look it up. He's not having a good year. He's got like one goal and 12 assists, and he's supposed to be like an offensive D-man. But he's on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. And there's however many games left. Uh, Whoever they were playing the night he did get scratched, they're also a non-playoff team. So the game is essentially worthless. And then there's people on, you know, social media. The other argument is, oh, well, we've got to make room for our 
fucking uh, younger players show you see what we got in the... F- Shut up. Like, there's some things like, yes, he might not be playing great right now. And I'm not saying that this is bigger than the game. But getting a guy to a, th- like a thousand games. I don't care if he's playing like hell. Like, just put him on for one shift. Dress 7D. Get him one shift for the next 11 games and then he'll retire. He'll sail off into the fucking sun. Like, for anyone... For anyone, like, arguing, like, the other, the opposite, it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, a kid might want to get in the lineup, and I get it. It's the National Hockey League. The best players should play. People are saying, like, how bad he has actually been. And if you had seen him play this year, you would have thought that he, he would never even made it this close to 1,000. I get that. I understand. But this is, like, this is almost like, like a guy that put this much into the game, like, his whole life has been dedicated to hockey. He's put so much in to the game. He's given so much to the National Hockey League. He's lived this life. He's lived this grind. He deserves this record. Like, it's an absolute disgrace, and unfortunately, it's over. It's it's absolutely it's sad. It's sickening, and I feel bad. And Mike Yo is the coach. He is a North Bay, Ontario native. Good Northern Ontario boy. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking. He's not thinking. And I, I just don't understand the move at all, especially from a non-playoff team. If they were, like, nasty and he was playing bad, I, I maybe I could understand. But it's just it's just sad to see. I wish it didn't happen. But either or, he has the longest streak ever in the NHL history. But now the torch has been passed to Phil Kessel. And, again, if you're not an NHL fan you listen to this show, go Google Phil, Phil Kessel's physique. And there's probably fitness trainers scratching their heads dietitians scratching their heads losing their mind and it makes me so happy because hockey is one of these really weird games that you could be the most in shape guy you could be absolutely shredded but then you could get on the ice and you could be the first guy to get tired in a bag skate or in a long game or the first guy that can't handle 30 minutes a night hockey's a weird game there's some guys that get on the skates nothing emulates it some guys are fat and out of shape but they can skate and they can skate faster than anyone in the world. They can shoot the puck better than anyone in the world. They can score goals in a league that no one else can score goals in in the entire world. And they look, they're not shredded. They don't have six packs. That's why hockey will always be a, a hilarious game. That, uh, yes, fitness is very important, but it's a skilled game like no other. And not many people talk about that. Hockey always getting rated very high, very, very high on the hardest sports for like that sports science ranking. But I don't think people realize how much goes into it. It's a, it's a crazy sport. And these guys that are doing it, it's, it's nuts. So for a guy to have a, a streak of doing it that long consecutively in a row, not getting hurt, not getting scratched, performing, let the guy get to 1,000 games. It's a fucking joke. Mike Yao, you know what's a joke? Mike Yao, your hairline is a joke. It's been a joke for about 25 years. You're bald. You're bald. Okay? There's nothing wrong with being bald. But... There's something wrong with scratching a guy that close to a a milestone when you're coaching a goddamn sunken battleship at the bottom of the fucking league, okay? Smarten up and get some contacts. Thank you. Jumping Jesus. You know what else happened in the NHL that really pissed me off? And it just fucking absolutely drove me nuts. It drove me nuts. And this is like a quick example of what's going on and what's wrong with the NHL today, okay? The score is 5-0. 
It's the Anaheim Ducks are playing the Phoenix Coyotes. The Phoenix Coyotes are fucking awful. Of course, it's five nothing. I quote me if I'm wrong, but this is, is this not the game that he just went between the legs and then did a Michigan in the same night? So later on, it's five nothing. There's a couple minutes left in the third. There's a loose puck in front of the net. Zegris is kind of digging for it, not even really fucking digging for it. He didn't really dig it for it, but he was digging there. His stick was in there. He was getting greasy. Doesn't matter if he did or didn't. It wasn't malicious, but he was in there. And he gets a cross check to the back from Jay Beagle, and he goes down like he got shot. He went down like he got chopped in the back with an axe. He went down hard. Go watch the clip. Like, he didn't get hit that hard. If you're in the NHL, and you're digging into a goalie in the crease, and you have your back to the play... Like, I just don't understand like how you wouldn't be more prepared for that. And the reason he's not is because he's soft. And I'm not saying he's a great, he's an unbelievable player. Like the shit he can do with the puck, like the way he he's shown people how to do this Zorro shit and pick up the puck and do the Michigan this way, like he's created shit that no one even knew how to do. Like he's creating things in hockey. That goalie did to Sonny Milano when he passed over the net. No one's done shit like that before. Like this kid's elite. I'm not knocking him at all, but he is soft. And obviously, like, that's not his game. But he gets into a little bit of a skirmish there. He gets cross-checked in the back. Big whoop. But first of all, what no one even else talked about is it was Jay Beagle. Everyone's chirping Jay Beagle, saying he sucks. He shouldn't be in the league. Talk about the type of player he is. He's a hard-nosed player. That's why he's been in the league this whole entire time. What do you think Jay Beagle's going to do in a 5 nothing game when Trevor Zegras, who just did the Michigan on the other end of the fucking ice last period, is digging in their goalie? You think he's not going to cross-check him from behind? Yes, he does. And then fucking dipshit Troy Terry, his other boyfriend there, Trevor Zegras, comes over and tries to you know grab him in a scrum. Again, what do you think Jay Beagle's going to do? He shreds his shit and beats the wheels off, and Terry's bleeding all over the ice. Terry doesn't even drop his gloves, I don't believe. Yeah. Kind of looked a little malicious, but again, what do you think was going to happen? Everyone's bitching about it, saying like there's no place in the game for this. I'm like, this is still hockey. This is still hockey. You can still fight. And then Trevor Zegras goes on and has this interview. I'd love you to look it up. I'd love you to look it up. You know what? I wish I had a fucking little clip right now. You know they do that? You know they show you the clip? They play it? But he literally swore at the end of it. He's like, it's fucking embarrassing. He says that he thinks Troy Terry's one of the best players in the league, and he says he won't say the player's name when he might as well have said the player's name. Like he's not saving anything. We all know the you know the only people who watch the NHL, the only people that are listening to your interview, Trevor, are people who know the fucking incident. Like don't act like you're saving yourself from this big paparazzi scheme. You're in a tight knit bubble that is the NHL. No one, no one's in on your fucking scheme here, kid. But he he, he like goes off on this interview saying how Beagle's a joke and. It wasn't right what happened. And then people on Twitter are condemning him for or, or congratulating him for having a gritty interview. We used to have gritty hockey players. Now we have gritty interviewers. It's a sick, it's a sick and twisted and uh, in, a, in a wild and a sad time. But like, you know, they used to have Josh Manson there. He was an absolute nail gun. They used to have Nick Delorier. If that happened, they could have fucking ran out there and just, you know, started punching Beagle in the face. They don't have that anymore. They lose that, they lose that advantage, right? absolutely it's brutal I didn't like that okay but that's enough talk about uh about uh about the hockey you know what I'm saying and um one day I think I'm gonna have a buddy on maybe later in the year and talk a little bit more in depth about uh my Floridian trip 
But uh, for the time being, we're going to keep a couple secrets on that tail because, you know, it's 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 hockey season, folks, and we love the game, and we're gearing up for a big playoff push here. And um, before we go, folks, from episode number 61, I'd love to talk to you about a quick little tale. And um, when I was in my first year of university, I was uh, blessed with the opportunity to um, live in the most hilarious house possible. I've told stories about it before on this show. But I originally moved into a home that was supposed to be a three-bedroom apartment in the basement. And we thought it was our own little gig. We moved into it to turn to terms to find out that we have three bedrooms in the basement of a full house then we shared a kitchen upstairs with three other roommates who we didn't know who all turned out to be great people two of the guys we ended up kicking it off with real well and we still talk i still talk to them to this day but uh, it was one of like it might have been like one of the first weeks we were in there we we're all hanging out drinking boozing smoking it up perhaps you know how it is up there in canada eh legal there eh you know what i'm saying uh, but no, he, he he tells me about this guy named Jesse Stewart, and he just shows me this 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 song on YouTube, and it was called Cold Beer, and this guy's just shredding the mandolin. The mandolin is beautiful, one of my favorite instruments. If I'm gonna learn another instrument other than the guitar, which I'm average campfire guitarist at best, so I should probably worry about. I'm always talking about branching out and grabbing a new instrument. Probably should worry about the one that I can barely play already. But the mandolin is sick, and I really want to play it. But he plays the mandolin, Jesse Stewart, and he fucking plays it so fast, and he sings so hard, so loud, so passionately, that you cannot fall in love with his music. It's absolutely amazing. And for years, I just thought that was the only song he ever, that's the only song I'd ever heard of him. He, he, he had like a little cameo on Trailer Park Boys at one point. He like played in an episode. I'd never seen the episode or I can't remember it anyways, but he was on there and he ended up having a couple other songs and it was only like about a month or two ago that I found randomly, I, I have like the Apple Music and I do like the, you know, it'll give you like a playlist, will be like so-and-so and similar artists. So I was listening to some artists and it was like similar people and I came across this this guy ripping the mandolin. I was like, dude, this sounds exactly like that legendary cold beer song. I used to listen to on YouTube. And if you haven't heard it, go listen to Cold Beer on YouTube. But um, I, I was like, this sounds exactly like him. And sure enough, I look, and it was an album of his that had came out just last year in 2021. And I'm like all about it. It's just him on the mandolin cranking it out, about 10 or 11 songs. It's called Shed Life. And it's got this real cool sketch for the album covers. Fucking love it. But you should check it out. But I saw so the last I'm on the bus the other night, you know, on this long trip and we're cruising around and I start looking to see like more about this guy, Jesse Stewart, seeing if he like is playing shows, if he's coming up with more stuff. I'm trying to find him on Instagram, found some Instagram that was like had like he had like 8000 followers and was following like a thousand people. It clearly looked like he wasn't putting much into it, but it was definitely his. And then. You know, I'm Googling stuff the other night, and sure enough, I find this CBC article saying about how he just passed away. And he was, um, unfortunately, I think he was a bit a bit of an alcoholic and into maybe some drugs, and I think it's presumed that he, unfortunately, might have had a drug overdose in the streets of Edmonton. He was originally from Vancouver Island. When he sings this song, Cold Beer, he's singing it on Vancouver Island, and it's absolutely amazing. And he was apparently known to travel he traveled canada by train like seven different times he hitchhiked across it he he 
I don't know about seven times. I think it was twice was the story. He hitchhiked across Canada twice, even hopping trains. But this guy was kind of a legend. And I mean, you don't hear about many. It's kind of like a little modern folklore, like the 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 mandolin playing train hopper from Canada. And unfortunately, he passed away. He was only thirty one years old when he passed away. And this was this November. He passed away November twenty second, two thousand twenty one. So, episode sixty one. This one goes to you, Jesse Stewart, man. You were legit. And um, I don't know if this is going to sound very good, but I'm going to play his song for you. And I'm going to play it into my microphone, and I really hope it sounds okay. And if it doesn't, that's on me, and you should go listen to the real version on YouTube. Okay, folks? This is Cold Beer. Oh, let's start it over. Oh boy. 
called Shot Beer. Cold beer. Don't worry, I'm right here. I never live without you. You can't when I'm out you. Oh, cold beer. Don't you ever worry, I'm right here. I can never fucking live without you. Unreal. Probably sounded like hell, but uh, production value is. Uh, we're working on it. You know, the stew. We're gonna we're gonna keep getting things uh, in order here, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode number sixty-one. Just know that you're better for it. Bye for now.